G'day, welcome along to another sermon from Good News Christian Church in Howrah, Tasmania, Australia. I'm Bernard Kane, I'm the pastor. Get in touch sometime at goodnewschristianchurch.org or why not come by one Sunday morning. For now, here's the sermon. So you think about this, one of these men who'd been with Jesus pretty much daily from the beginning, one of the 12, now 11, because of Judas being out of the picture, one of those men sat down to write the story of those years, the story of Jesus' life's work, to hand down to history what he'd seen and experienced of this man that he had learned to love, that he'd learned to worship. And at the end of it all, having seen this teacher rise up from Nazareth um, after the famous, you know, miraculous things, the healings and the feedings and the, you know, raising people to life, Lazarus, and, and after the arguments... And after the conflicts, after the arrest, after the handing down of the death sentence, after the crucifixion, after the resurrection, even after the resurrection to life from the grave, this was the paragraph that Matthew, that that man, would leave ringing in the ears of his readers down through the ages, long after Matthew was laying in the grave. When we read the closing paragraph of Matthew's account of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, we know he wanted these words to remain with us. From verse 16, then the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptising them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Please pray with me. Father God Almighty, we, really, we rejoice today that these stirring words have made their way down into our little hands, all the way down through history, We rejoice that today, perhaps better than any other time in history, we can say with such confidence that these words are the ones originally penned by Jesus' followers and originally spoken by our Lord as he walked the earth. Father, thank you for inspiring the prophets and evangelists. Thank you for preserving the text of Scripture. But today, we ask that your Holy Spirit would do even more, namely the transformation of our hearts and minds and wills and actions, that we might heed the call that has come down to us and we pray it in Christ's name. Amen. Well, brothers and sisters, welcome to 2016 here at Good News Church. It really feels like the year's underway. Once January is behind us, and we're right on the end of January. It feels that the year is underway. So welcome to 2016. Welcome to yet another year when the risen Lord Jesus pursues his mission in this world of making disciples from the very ends of the earth, from all the nations. Uh, back on that mountainside in Galilee, the Jesus that called 11 men to go and to make, go out Uh, into the world and make disciples, teach them everything that I've commanded and presumably uh, 
Everything that I've commanded included that command to go and make disciples of all the nations, teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded. And then there's another generation, do you see? Because you teach them everything that I've commanded and that includes the command to go and make disciples. And so uh, the teachings of Jesus have finally reached to us, including this command, go and make disciples. Good news, Christian church. In 2016, it's all knitted up there in the commands of Jesus, in the teachings of the Lord Jesus Christ. We hear, in other words, this morning, a passage that isn't just prodding enthusiasts to head out into the Arabian Peninsula with the Gospel of Jesus. It should do that. It does do that. It will do that. It may do that this morning. I don't know. Uh, We pray and support missionaries as they go, we should, and if you are and if you have been for decades, partly because of this passage, you're doing the right thing and if you haven't been, then maybe you should think about it. But we hear this morning the marching orders of the risen Lord Jesus, not just to the kind of crazy-minded missionaries, but to His disciples who were to be made from all the nations of the earth, who were to be taught everything that He'd commanded We're hearing the instructions of the Lord of heaven and earth to rank and file disciples, simple believers, young and old, in normal churches like ours, until He returns. What a call! Now, may I begin with a story? Uh, Years ago now, an old uh, colleague of mine, I used to work with him when I was an engineer, Rodney is his name, Rodney told me about an experience that he had that kind of haunted him. It kind of, it confused him, it baffled him and it seems to me that it it stands as something of a parable for, for Western Christians or at least Australian Christians as I've seen us, Australian churches and the Great Commission. See what you make of it. So Rod, he was working overseas, uh, that was, that was uh, the, the, the time when the story happened, he was doing the travelling and working thing and every day he'd take the bus to work, nothing unusual about that, every morning Uh, He'd head out onto the street and grab the bus. Every morning, he and the other commuters, they'd gather at the bus stop. You can see them there. Normal bus stop on a normal uh, suburban street, gently sloping kind of down. There's the busy road uh, at the bottom of the street, the main road. And there they'd stand, minding their own business. Now, on the particular morning in question, there was Rod, there stood the crowd of happy commuters, there was the bus. Well, they couldn't see the bus, but it was just minutes away. But on this particular morning... Something awful etched that day into his memory. You see, all of a sudden, out of nowhere, from his point of view, whizzing past him was this stroller, a pram. And running behind in a blind panic, in hysterics, flailed the desperate mother, screaming and tearing after this thing as it, you see, went down that gradual hill, gaining speed toward the bottom of that gradual hill with the busy main road at the bottom of it. Now, my mate Rod, at the time a very fit, agile young man, he ran and he ran that stroller down, actually. He stopped it before the worst happened and you can imagine, can't you, the scenes of relief there, they're absolutely just overcome by the moment. But here is what haunted Rod, confused him, confounded him. Do you know what struck him on that day? No one else moved. And that always confused him. No one else moved a muscle. There was him and there was the mother tearing after this thing, but no one else moved. He wasn't trying to be a hero. The need was there. The desperate reality was unfolding before his very eyes. And yet the crowd remained fixed at the bus shelter 
Now, here's the, the, the point. This morning, I believe I speak to people and I speak as a person who longs for the salvation of the lost. I think I speak to people who share that passion, who share that desire, who long to see how we're saved for Jesus, reached with the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. There's no doubt in my mind that we yearn, not just for individuals, the loved ones, uh, the ones we have prayed for for decades, but for revival around us in the community. And yet, I open the year taking us to this passage and asking, which better characterises us? In fact, let's be honest, which better characterises any of the churches that we know? Here's why I say it's a parable for kind of Western Christianity, Australian Christianity or Australian churches in the Great Commission. Which better characterises us? Rod hurtling after that pram or the people at the bus stop? Friends, I find Jesus' words here immensely challenging and I feel like we've got a long way to go. Um, it's not like we're doing nothing, may I say that? That wouldn't be fair, would it? No, we are invested in this. We aren't just standing at the bus stop. But it's a whopping call, isn't it, when you think about it? It is a whopping great image to start the year, the mission of the risen Lord Jesus into all the world to the very end of the age. What a call the risen Lord Jesus has given us. I have just three points that I'd like to draw out for us. The first one is that we go because of the gospel. Uh, A few years ago, writes John Dixon, a few years ago, uh, John Dixon, Aussie speaker, writer, have you come across him? You should absolutely read his stuff if you haven't. You see him on Q&A from time to time. A few years ago, he says, I was having coffee with a friend in a cafe at my local beach. I was explaining to him what our church was doing to promote Christ among the residents of the area. At one point, I noticed a woman, a few tables away, looking inquisitively at me. I assumed that she was a fellow Christian interested in listening into our conversation. I just kept talking. A few minutes later, the woman got up from her table, paid her bill, walked straight across to me and at what seemed like the top of her voice said, so you want to convert the world, how dare you? And off she went. I thought of the perfect comeback about an hour later. At the time, I was dumbfounded. For a moment, I even wondered, maybe our mission is presumptuous. Perhaps promoting the news about Christ is the stuff of fanaticism rather than a reasoned modern faith. Have you ever wondered that? Have you ever felt that, more to the point? Dixon says, I'm sure many of us have wondered similar things. The rhetoric of our world, which insists you keep your faith to yourself, is very powerful and sometimes leaves us cringing at the thought of getting overly active in God's mission to convert the world. So I want to step back and ask, why do we reach out to others with the news of Christ? What ultimately is the driving idea behind God's mission in the world? It's a pretty good question. If you'd like to hear John Dixon's answer, you should totally read his book. Uh, It's published under two titles, Promoting the Gospel is one of them and The Best Kept Secret of Christian Mission. Uh, More recently, The Best Kept Secret of Christian Mission, John Dixon. To put it another way though, what I'm saying is we shouldn't even be starting the year with go and make disciples. We shouldn't be starting the year with go and make disciples. Why? Because that's not where Jesus starts. In fact, even in the sentence that that comes from, that's not the first word of the sentence, that's not the first word of Jesus' statement there. Let's take another look. We'll just run back to verse 16. Then the 11 disciples went to Galilee... 
to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And is Jesus perhaps addressing those doubters, giving them a rock-solid why, a uh, rock-solid basis, the, the driving idea behind God's mission in the world. Is that what he's doing there in the next verse? Verse 18, then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples. Therefore, in other words, so all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, to Jesus. Because of that, go and make disciples of all the nations. See, brothers and sisters, as urgent and amazing and challenging as the call to go and make sounds, we don't start the year with a command to evangelise. We start the year refreshed by the gospel of the Lord Jesus, refreshed by the same discovery that Matthew had uh, on that mountainside, that Jesus is alive, that he is Lord, that he is our saviour and that he is, be- he is the hope, our hope and our future. He's been the hope and the future of every believer down in history, uh, that he is risen indeed and that he has the power and the authority to carry his gospel to a lost and broken world. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. And this isn't the, 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 uh, some loveless, ruthless kind of command, as if Jesus, the incoming CEO, is kind of waving the stick at these reluctant, uh, lazy employees. No, this was Matthew's hope. This was the hope of these believers who'd watched Jesus die and who'd believed that their hopes were buried along with him in the tomb. And Jesus says, no, I'm risen and all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Some of you are worshipping, that's great. Some of you are doubting, that's fine. But friends, Jesus is saying, pinch yourselves because I'm alive and I'm Lord and all of heaven and earth is going to be changed forever as you guys take my gospel out. All I'm saying is, please don't start your year at church with a command. When a man, by constant contemplation of the death and resurrection of our Lord, finds himself so inflamed with love of God and others that he cannot bear the thought of anyone living and dying without the knowledge of God, he may begin to bear the cross of Christ. And if this longing for the glory of God and for the salvation of all men becomes so great that it fills all of his thoughts and desires, then he has that one thing without which no man can truly be a messenger of Christ, writes Stephen Neal. We've got to start with the gospel. But secondly, we must go and make and not sit and stare. All authority, verse 18, halfway through, in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptising them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded you. Secondly then, having, having begun with the glory of the risen Jesus, we are faced with the bus stop decision. You know, will we? Are we already? How can we better 
go and make disciples, lest we be a church that goes nowhere, sits and watches as the world breaks the disciples that Jesus already has. Will we go and make or will we sit and watch the world break the disciples of Jesus? What a contrast. How do we go and make disciples, baptising them in the name of the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything that he commanded? How could we as a church be a going kind of a church? I mean, we're already happily here in Tasmania at the ends of the earth, aren't we? We already are the nations that they were trying to reach. We already are. I mean, how can you get further? I'm in Antarctica, I suppose. But do you know what I mean? We already are at the ends of the earth. It's not like we need to go, in a sense, as a particular church, sending missionaries, there's still definitely room for that, as I said. But we're already at the end of the earth. But there is something here of a priority of reaching out, of going, of extending into the lives of non-believers here, isn't there? The spirit of this command is kind of a, it's a going outward one, even if we are out at the ends of the earth. How can we do that? How could we be a church characterised by disciple-making, which I take to include not just the, uh, you know, kind of getting them across the line, dunking them in water kind of business, I take it to include that vast, ongoing, never-finished work of maturing, teaching, correcting, rebuking, training in the Word of God by the Spirit of God, are we a hothouse for disciple-making here at church? Is that what we're about? Is that what we invest in? Is that what we pray for uh, week to week? Equipping and maturing, how can we practically raise the level there? I, I feel a bit torn, in a way, looking at this passage, because I really do feel like so many of us here And as I look out and preach to you, so many of you, week to week, you are invested in the making of disciples and that is good and in the building up of them uh, in the faith. We aren't idly standing at the bus stop because isn't this what Sunday school is about? Isn't this what youth night is about? When I send my children to Sunday school or youth night, isn't disciple making exactly what I expect from them? It is, you bet it is and it should be. And that means that we, you, are fulfilling, and I want you to hear this, you are fulfilling the great commission of the Lord Jesus Christ when you open the Bible with those little ones, and that is a good thing. Or at Bible study, or around the drop-in table here, it doesn't matter how few people come, or one-to-one, you are, brothers, sisters, fulfilling the great commission. Could we do better? You bet we could. (laughs) Do the other 8,000 people in Howrah need us to do better? Yes. We needn't go to deepest, darkest Burkina Faso to carry the gospel to the lost and make disciples of the nations. We could just go to deepest, darkest Nineveh Street. Perhaps it's a bit of an aside, but uh, I came across this little list of practical ideas uh, for churches in thinking through outreach, thinking through going and making disciples. Um, I say it's a little list. I've trimmed it down. It was a dozen points running over several pages. I'll just share a handful with you. Number one is from Don Carson. He says, number one, many Christians, not least Christian preachers, simply do not know any out-and-out pagans. It's time they did. They should rearrange. We should rearrange priorities and befriend some of them. When more and more people think of church as alien, 
The only way, humanly speaking, that people are going to attend public services and hear the gospel well articulated in the context of worshipping community is if friends invite them. That's practical, isn't it? Number two, be bold, he says. That's not an invitation to discourtesy, but boldness coupled with an unassuming humility that conveys the impressions that, that Christians are only poor beggars telling others where there's bread will always elicit better attention than the half-embarrassed, semi-apologetic bearing of the person who's more frightened of people than of the living God. Be bold. Number three, I was taken by this one. The primary reason why people in our churches do not invite more of their friends to come to church is that they're embarrassed by what goes on there. Now, if such embarrassment is triggered by anything other than the offence of the cross... It is the pastor's fault. If you're embarrassed, I want to know. Come and talk to me. Number four, develop evangelistic Bible studies for complete outsiders. Please be praying for uh, the basics course in March, won't you? And lastly, and this one leads into our fifth and final reflection, remember that men and women are not converted finally by your great wisdom, fancy speaking, theological brilliance or homiletical skill. God in his mercy may use all those and many more gifts, but only God is able to bring people to himself and that is ample incentive to prayer. Thirdly, lastly, is it our mission, brothers and sisters? As we head into 2016, with plans, exciting plans, can I say I'm really looking forward to what God's going to do with mainly music this year? I don't know, could do something pretty awesome though, I reckon. I'm really looking forward to the, the basics course in March, that, that series of evenings uh, where we lay out the gospel um, week by week, focus on Jesus. I'm a bit scared about that, if I'm honest with you. I'm, I'm anxious and I need to learn to leave that anxiety with the Lord. But I can't wait. I'm really looking forward to spending some more time with some of our young adults and leaders. But we need to remember, don't we, only God brings people to himself because it's Christ's mission and not mine. It's Christ's mission first and not ours and he is with us every single day. Yes, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptising them in the name of the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded you and this, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. And that last verse... It actually reads something like this. So, and surely I'm with you always. It's something like, surely I'm with you all the days. Surely I'm with you every day to the very end of the age. All the days. That means not a day goes by. Every single time I wake up, daunted by what lies ahead, every single time you head through those glass doors to Sunday school and you don't know how it's going to go this week, Every single flyer that you place in a letterbox, not a day will go by this year, brothers and sisters, when the one who rose, our precious Lord Jesus Christ, who calls us to do things, to risk things, to go places, to make disciples, to teach them the things he commanded and to do so until we drop. Not a day goes by where we're left to fend for ourselves. Jesus was with John Dixon when that lady blared at him, how dare you? He was with his disciples when they walked down that mountainside and out into the unknown. He was with the believers who went before us. 
He was with our parents and our grandparents or our great-grandparents or whatever it is for you as they came to these shores and he's with us this year in Howrah. He's with us every single day because it's his mission in his church until he returns. Let's pray. Our great God in heaven, we, we repent today and we seek your forgiveness not only for, the, for inactivity when the message of the world's salvation rests in our hands, humanly speaking, but perhaps worse, for allowing the glorious truth of the risen Lord Jesus to grow dim before our eyes, to be but a pale shadow in our hearts at times. Father, in your mercy, would you please rekindle the fire in our hearts for your glory? for Christ's mission on this planet, that we might be delighted to spend our few short years in his service, going and making disciples for him together. Father, unlock, please, our our aspirations and our desires and bend them to your will. Father, we commit our plans to you, such as they are for the year ahead. We lay our anxieties and our concerns before you about what lies down the path for us. Lord, may we experience day by day the presence of our risen, conquering Lord in our very midst. But far broader, God, please save, please convert, please rescue lost men and women, boys and girls this year among us and through us to our joy and to Christ's glory. For Christ's sake we pray it. Amen.